yet another trial that's failed. On Wednesday, Johnson & Johnson announced it was discontinuing its Mosaico trial for a vaccine to prevent HIV. We are disappointed with this outcome and stand in solidarity with the people and communities vulnerable to and affected by HIV. We remain steadfast in our commitment to advancing innovation in HIV, and we hope the data from Mosaico will provide insights for future efforts to develop a safe and effective vaccine. The trial began in 2019 and was conducted at 50 sites in nine countries, including the U.S., Brazil, and Poland. It included around 3,900 cisgender men and transgender individuals who have sex with cisgender men and or transgender individuals. I guess this is an opportunity to bring up Jeff Epstein. So, you know, people sometimes wonder, you know, like we're scientists, you know, to, you know, hanging out with him to get, you know, to get with these young women or something. I know scientists. There are some scientists like that. They were spending time with him because he was giving their laboratories money yeah. that they didn't have to write grants for. Why was he doing that, though? Oh, there are very strong opinions. Tonight, more newly unsealed court documents just released involving accused sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein. As we get new insights about the high-profile network of people associated with Epstein, senior legal correspondent Laura Jarrett has more. Tonight, the blast radius from Jeffrey Epstein's reach continues to grow. Hundreds of pages of old court records now unsealed, adding more context to the wide network the convicted sex offender maintained. He clearly understood social engineering. He understood that rich people have, they can get anything they want, anything they want, except the one thing they can't easily control is their reputation, because that requires other people's perceptions. And just being rich doesn't make you necessarily respected. By certain people, yes, by certain people, no. So he understood that very wealthy people feel more important and can derive more sense of self-respect when they're surrounded by brilliant people. Epstein understood, like, bring around the, the Gelmans, bring around the top genetic researchers from Harvard. By doing that, he made these rich people feel like they were in the company of interesting, important people. Interesting. And why would scientists spend time with rich people? I'll be really honest. I do a lot of work for uh, these days for talking about science and, uh, and trying to generate science philanthropy. That's a big part of my life now, trying to generate money to give to studies that are really interesting and valid. We could talk about that if you like. Scientists will show up to dinners that normally they'd rather be in their labs or writing grants or with their families, frankly, if there's the possibility of money being given to their laboratory, because then they can hire more people and do more science. Money alone doesn't drive good science, but the more money you have, the bigger margin of error you have. So if Epstein offers a, offered laboratories, you know, a million dollars a year for four years to a guy of that wealth as trivial to a laboratory that is four national institutes of health grants per year. And the workload to maintain those four grants is immense. So they'd show up with the possibility of getting money. That's where they were hanging out with a dirtbag like him. And they, they had blinders on. Either they knew or they didn't know what he was up to. But they had blinders on because they weren't thinking about the implications. A long-awaited groundbreaking today for Chicago's first public park memorializing the AIDS epidemic. It's been almost 40 years since HIV was first identified, yet there remains no vaccine, while a COVID vaccine was developed in record time. But, he says, there is hope. We've learned a lot over the last 30-some years of, of trying to develop a vaccine, and, uh, and we understand better what kind of 
immune responses we need to generate. Novak has spent his career working on HIV vaccine trials and treatments. UIC is currently enrolling participants for a Johnson & Johnson HIV vaccine trial to begin in July. While Dr. Novak says the HIV vaccine looks... Jeffrey Epstein, he was obsessed with Stern. He followed him, he stalked him. Apparently he has photos of him from his computer. I never saw those, but his right-hand man told me that. So he was really obsessed. He was obsessed with Stern, Princess Diana, Carla Bruni, who was married to the French president, former French president, Nicolas Sarkozy. And um, he was just an enigmatic nutcase, man. Carla Bruni, who was married to the French president. Child is born with HIV. We can eliminate mother-to-child transmission of HIV. For this, we need your help. Sign the petition to support Born HIV Free, the campaign for the Global Fund. If you sign up, we'll make it happen. Life is beautiful. Don't let AIDS kill it before it starts. Success of the mRNA vaccines for COVID are giving hope to San Diego scientists working on HIV vaccines. ABC 10 News reporter Jared Ahrens takes an in-depth look at the role Scripps Research will play in the first ever trial for an mRNA-based HIV vaccine. Since 2016, Scripps Research has been working with Moderna to develop an HIV vaccine using mRNA technology. This month, human testing begins on what scientists call the holy grail for HIV research, a vaccine that can prevent the disease. And they have the pandemic to thank. The data from the COVID vaccine showed it was very safe and very immunogenic. So that's basically all you want. As mRNA COVID shots went into arms around the world, Dr. William Schieff with the Scripps Research International AIDS Vaccine Initiative paid close attention. He's been working with mRNA for six years. Seeing how well the technology did for COVID gives him hope it can do the same for HIV. Right, right. But if you walk onto any campus, I don't care if it's UT Austin or Stanford or it's Harvard, the names on those sides of buildings, sometimes it's the Kennedy building. Sometimes it's the Rockefeller building. More often than not, these are names of people you don't recognize anymore and names of people don't even live in the United States. They gave $100 million for a building that trains medical students. Universities are a business too, 100%. And it doesn't mean that they're trying to corrupt anybody, but they have to survive. You have to pay the janitor. Yeah. You got to pay the cops. You get on the campus. I mean, so it is a business. And I think you, that's the human side, actually, to your credit, I learned from you. We, I think you may or may not remember, but a few years ago, we were talking about everything that was going on in the public health thing. And you're like, the reason I'm curious about this, and I don't trust this, these were your words more or less, was because I know about people. And that's at the end of the day, it's all about people and their psychology. A new report claims Jeffrey Epstein may have threatened Bill Gates over an alleged affair. Law and Crime Managing Editor Adam Klasfeld comes on to get into this bombshell allegation. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Law and Crime. I'm Jesse Webb. All right, so let's get into this report from the Wall Street Journal. It's written by Hadija Safdar and Emily Glazer. And that is that Jeffrey Epstein, the disgraced financier and convicted sex offender, the man who died in his jail cell while awaiting uh, trial on sex trafficking charges, he may have tried to threaten 
Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates over an alleged affair, an affair with a Russian bridge player named Mila Antonova, whom apparently Gates met around 2010 when she was in her 20s. This is someone that Epstein knew as well and had an interesting relationship that we're going to get into as well. So it's time to bring in law and crime managing editor Adam Klasfeld to get into this because Adam, you've been following this Jeffrey Epstein saga from the very beginning. You saw this bombshell report. It's my understanding that this is all based uh, on an email uh, to Gates that it seems, you know, not confirmed, but it seems that Epstein was threatening to expose this affair that Gates had may have had with Antonova. He was married at the time. And he wanted to do that because Gates wouldn't participate in this multi-million dollar fund that Epstein was trying to set up with J.P. Morgan Chase. I mean, do I have the basic facts, the basic synopsis of this correct? You do. And to go even a step further, the story reports a statement by a Gates spokesperson who basically all out alleges that, goes out and says that Epstein tried to leverage this compromising information in order to get what he wanted, namely investment into this fund that he sought to profit from. Now I want to address some news you may have seen about me. An extraordinary apology from George Stephanopoulos, live on Good Morning America. He admitted that he donated $75,000 to the Clinton Foundation and failed to disclose it even as he reported on the controversies surrounding the foundation. But I should have made additional disclosures on air when we covered the foundation. And I now believe that directing personal donations to that foundation was a mistake. Even though I made them strictly support work done to stop the spread of AIDS, help children, and protect the environment in poor countries, I should have gone the extra mile to avoid even the appearance of a conflict. I apologize to all of you for failing to do that. The donations came to light after his hard-hitting interview with author Peter Schweitzer, whose book Clinton Cash accuses the Clinton Foundation of taking money from foreign governments and businesses when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State. We've done investigative work here at ABC News, found no proof of any kind of direct action. Carla Bruni Sarkozy has rejected claims of financial irregularities linked to her charity work. In 2008, France's first lady signed up as an ambassador for the Global Fund to fight AIDS, tuberculosis and malaria. She also has her own charitable foundation. Reporting that France is a big contributor to the Global Fund, a weekly magazine claims the Geneva-based body paid 2.7 million euros towards Bruni philanthropic activities and to several agencies belonging to a friend of the ex-model. Bruni, whose brother died of an AIDS-related illness, insists on her website that no public money has ever been received by her foundation. The Global Fund has also dismissed the French magazine report as inexact and misleading. The scandal comes just months before Bruni's husband, French President Nicolas Sarkozy, is expected to stand for re-election. Australia has cancelled the production of a domestic coronavirus vaccine after trials showed that it could lead to false positive tests for HIV. The developers of the drug, the University of Queensland and biotech firm CSL, report that the vaccine did show a robust response to combating COVID-19 in a phase one trial, but finding a fix to the HIV problem could take another year of research.
Meanwhile, pharmaceutical giants Sanofi and Britain's GlaxoSmithKline's candidate have also reported setbacks. On Friday, the companies said that clinical trials showed that their own vaccine created what they call a, quote, low immune response in older people. It means a potential vaccine launch from them may be delayed until the end of next year. Dr. Deborah Burks, okay, lived the pandemic during the Trump administration, former White House coronavirus response coordinator, okay? Uh, her pedigree is impeccable. You know, no one wants to talk about COVID, so no one wants to talk about medium and long COVID and the devastation that is left in the wake of even a mild to moderate COVID infection. And I think because they haven't adequately warned the American public, and I thank you for continuing to warn the American public that COVID should be taken seriously because we can't predict who can who will get long COVID and we don't have treatment for it. Yet it is devastating. And every week that goes by, we get new science on what this virus has done to human bodies. We had the technology to figure this out. If we put out a call that we wanna see everybody with long COVID study their genetics, see if there's a predisposition, that's point one, is to find out who is the most susceptible because you can prevent future cases. But point two is to really take the research and the science that we have about the brain fog, about the microglia, about the microclots, about the mitochondria. Don't you mean myocarditis? and really work on therapeutics in those cohorts. There's a way to do those studies. We did those studies mm -hmm. in the past for HIV. We can do that for long mm -hmm. COVID. We're just not putting the, it's not even the money part, it's the passion to really get mm -hmm. an answer for all of these individuals who are affected. An article published in Lancet that uh, showed uh, also showed negative vaccine uh, efficacy. So we published a video on that recently based on UK data not, not that long ago. And so this is the second um, publication now that I that I have now encountered that actually might be indicating this. So in that particular Lancet publication, what the authors showed is that they measured, this is based on Swedish population, they measured 840,000 vaccine or eight, almost 850,000 vaccinated individuals versus 850,000 unvaccinated individuals, and they measured the vaccine effectiveness from prevention from COVID-19 infection in the first uh, in the first uh, nine months of uh, 2021. And basically, the vaccine showed 90% effectiveness in the first month post vaccination, and then it started waning rapidly. And by the time uh, you reach seven months post vaccination, there was pretty much no uh, there was no vaccine effectiveness seen, it was zero. And by the time you hit eight months, basically you could observe negative vaccine uh, effectiveness, which once again means that vaccinated people were more likely to be infected than unvaccinated people. So as I mentioned, this is not the second time I see this. Type oh, there's no doubt about that. And since mRNA is a faster, less expensive way of creating vaccines than the traditional protein-based method, it creates endless possibilities. The genetic editing of plants to contain edible vaccines is well underway. Work is being done with bananas, potatoes, tomatoes, lettuce, rice, wheat, soybeans, and corn. Companies like Medicago are using gene editing to turn plants 
into many bioreactors. Medicago's manufacturing facility looks like a nursery, but inside these plants, they're growing a new kind of vaccine. The technology is called a virus-like particle. At Medicago, we use a careful step-by-step process to develop vaccines using our plants as mini bioreactors. We start with the gene sequence or code of a virus. We then use our technology to synthesize the virus code into a real biological product. The code contains genetic instructions that our plants can read, and we insert it into bacteria called Agrobacterium tumefaciens. We submerge the plants in a bath with the bacteria that carries the information into the plant cells. And using a vacuum, we suck out the air between the plant cells and replace it with the liquid. The plants absorb it like a sponge. At the end of their bacterial bath, we return our plants to a carefully controlled greenhouse to let them get on with their natural growing business for at least four days. Now the plants will start producing the most important ingredient of our vaccines, virus-like particles. Gene editing is now officially in our meat industry. Lobbyists for the cattlemen and pork associations in several states have confirmed that they will be using the mRNA COVID vaccines on their livestock. They want to poison you, Stern. They want to poison you.